Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, poopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss Kevin and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. everyone it's episode 83 83 okay i think that this is how it goes but herbie hancock's 83 he has that song take five he's a jazz pianist yes he is and i think it goes like but i'm not sure if that's the one because i don't know jazz music is that how it goes I don't know. I don't know. I want to find out. It's like NPR music. I'm going to try. Okay. Unskippable <laughs> ad again. Well, we'll return. We'll return to Herbie Hancock because also George Hamilton, the guy who's super tan, <laughs> who's 83. Tanning forever. John mm-hmm. Cleese, the worst Monty Python, 83. <laughs> He has hot taste. Speaking of famed lesbians, last week we had Miriam Margolis. This week we have Lily Tomlin. That's right. We also have... Yay, Lily. It's not unusual for Tom Jones to be 83. And he can still get it. He can absolutely still get it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. He's always been hot. Al Pacino, new father Al Pacino, is 83. Uh-huh. Uh, didn't we just did, no we did right. we had robert de niro who is like Oof. 81 or 82 also a relatively new father it's gross yeah. pack it in y'all come on dudes snip snip pack in those dusty swimmers we also have uh these boots are made for walking and that's just what they'll do nancy sinatra 83 nancy sinatra oh. nepo baby and finally he was on last week's list and then he <clears> had a birthday Oh and God. now he's on this week's list. Speaking of can still get it, Patrick Stewart, 83. <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart, if you nasty. If you nasty. Captain Picard, if you nasty. <laughs> he's got an ass that won't quit, folks. <laughs> I've never stared at his kadonkadonk. You gotta watch Next Generation. I've never seen his ass. I don't understand how I'm friends with you people, how we've made it this far in our lives together. But we never have discussed this. I but know, there's always it's never time. come we up. Always do it. And now never. look at us. Now, now look, look at us, us. fighting. Her, airing our dirty laundry out on <laughs> on our podcast. My goodness. For the on world the career. airwaves. <laughs> oh, my God. They're going to think so low of us now. <laughs> Fives of tens of people. (laughs) Now, miss, what'd you get up to this week? Yeah. Oh, you know, 
Bit of the same. Saturday, I went to Philly. It was a girlfriend of the pod's birthday, and we just had a chill day. I did not finish my cross-stitch in time. No. So well, there I was a lot her. of cross-stitching to do on your cross-stitch. There it was. was. There were a lot of... There was. So you can I be pres- forgiven, and you should be And it's be hard. Forgiven. You can't do it when you're around her, right? And that's usually what you no, guys do. No, no. And that's usually what we do. So I had to like pretend I was working on an older thing that I had long given up on that I did not feel like working on. Mm. I wrapped a, a partially finished cross stitch project. Thankfully, um, she and I are very similar and she had no problem with that at all. So I took back my gift and continue to work on it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and then I opened my present and it was another half finished cross stitch project. No. And then <laughs> Sunday, I, I did a whole, whole lot of nothing. Kevin, how was your week? Oh, my goodness. Ooh, oh, my goodness. Well, to be honest, to be frank, I, I have been laying low this no, week. Be and Kevin. This, don't be yeah. frank. Be yourself. Don't be frank. Oh, come on. Frank is so much better. But I've been laying low again this weekend because I'm saving up my energy to participate in Barbenheimer next weekend. Oh, I know. I know. Mm-hmm. We have tickets purchased practically. Participate in what? Barbenheimer. Next week, the movies Barbie and Oppenheimer will be released in theaters on the same day. And you got to see them oh. both, man. You just got to. The duality Fuck of me. mankind. I should have known. The duality in one box office. You know, we were all set to do a Barbenheimer, or at least to do a Barbie. I would have been the only one out of my personal duo. Oh, I'm at least doing Barbie. Um, We promised that we would go with our neighbor friends who are going out of town on the 21st. So the 20th was the only day. And we can't find a time that all of us can go together. So Mm -hmm. I have to wait a fucking week to see Barbie. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's going to get spoiled. I have to stay off the internet for that's a week? Not how that's going to work, Edie. It's going to get spoiled. It's going to get spoiled big time. Big time. Oh, I'm so we're sorry. Are yeah. about getting spoiled? Barbie. It's just any of it. Any of it. Just any of the spectacle, Barbie's any of the stupidness, whatever reset. Ryan Gosling's going to do, it's going to be a total cultural reset. Uh, there, we'll, we'll measure time in terms of bb and ab before yes. barbie and after barbie exactly people are oh. saying give ryan gosling his oscar already i'm very much <laughs> intrigued Are by you understand how tickled i would be if ryan gosling one of the greatest <laughs> actors of our generation got his oscar for fucking barbie for kenning <laughs> to be ken <laughs> But that is what I am so excited for. It is. It's going to be a life-changing, cultural changing, zeitgeist, shifting, anything. She is the moment. Now, come on now. Wow. I just, That's I, what I'm I didn't for. realize. We won't tell the other queers that you said that. I know, right? But we are, that's next week's problem. <laughs> but Miss, I think you have a true crime story for us this week on episode 83. Oh, I have the true crime story, friends. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Edie, I'm so sorry to give that deflection. Well, I have 
a timely true crime story that in typical Uncle Edie fashion, it's an Uncle Edie special. It straddles the gulf between true crime and conspiracy. And I say gulf, but it's a Venn diagram. A Venn diagram. Then there's some overlap. Okay. Now, speaking of movies, have y'all heard of a movie that's out now called Sound of Freedom? No, I have not. I have not heard of it. Heavily, heavily advertised on like Twitter, on Reddit, and in right wing circles. It's very popular right now in right wing circles. And it's about a guy who runs a group that he estimates has rescued thousands of kids from child sex trafficking, a very real and very global problem. Mm -hmm. No. This story is about that guy, Tim Ballard. Okay. Listener content warnings apply. Tim Ballard. Okay. Tim Ballard is a man in his 40s from a devout Mormon family in California, and he now lives in Utah. Big surprise. Cal surprise. Most of what we know about Tim comes from Tim himself. Tim says that he became a CIA officer in 2001 for less than a year, according to his LinkedIn profile, and then spent about a decade working for the Department of Homeland Security, specifically Homeland Security Investigations, or HSI. Now, HSI is a division of ICE, though Tim doesn't describe it that way. Sorry, I just, I just had a hiss. I know. Like a cat. I apologize. Anytime I hear ICE. Homeland Security Investigations, or HSI. That was the worst CSI spinoff. HSI, Homeland Security Investigations. And HSI is a division of ICE. Oh, what? (laughs) Yep. Gag break for ICE. Oh, my God. Kevin just hissed involuntarily, y'all. And Tim's history at the CIA and I think at ICE is unconfirmed. Vice journalists Anna Merlin and Tim Marchman are Tim Ballard experts, and they can only confirm with the CIA and Homeland Security whether Tim worked there, if Tim himself gives the agency's permission to disclose that information, and surprise, surprise, he has not. So hmm. we don't, we don't really know if that's true or not. It could be. It could not be. And most of the sources for my story today come from Anna and Tim's excellent, excellent reporting. Shout out to Anna and Tim. Shout out to Anna and Tim. Now, Tim Ballard's LinkedIn says that at HIS, he investigated crimes under the jurisdiction of DHS to include drug smuggling, money laundering, arms smuggling, and human trafficking. (laughs) His profile also says that he has spent most of his career investigating crimes against children to include cases dealing in sex trafficking, child sexual tourism, and child pornography. Really intense that he puts all that on his LinkedIn. Wait. It's really intense for a LinkedIn. That sounds like an intro to a Law & Order franchise. Oh, God. Don't tell Law & Order. Don't tell Dick Wolf about this. Chung, chung. Don't tell future subject of the pod, Dick Wolf, about this. (laughs) Now, Tim often says in interviews that he felt called to fight child sexual abuse, which, again, I can't stress this enough, is a real problem that really exists really a lot in our society and societies all over the world. But when talking to religious outlets, Tim puts it more bluntly. 
like the time he said that God told him, Find the children. <laughs> I really hope uh, God said it like that. Find I'm sure he did. really breathy and uncomfortable. I mean, if God spoke to you, wouldn't he sound like breathy and creepy and scary? Wouldn't it be scary? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Maybe people want to hear it. I don't want the voice of God to sound like fucking Kermit the Frog. You know what I mean? Too late. <laughs> Go with me. <laughs> Find the children. My Kermit the Frog is the same as my Jordan B. Peterson. <laughs> now, Tim does have personal commitment to this cause. He and his wife live in Utah with nine kids. And Tim has said publicly nine? that two of their kids were adopted after being rescued from trafficking in Haiti. Nine kids. Oof. So like a mid-size Mormon family, if you're very devout, devout, I guess. Um, yeah, it's like a mid-range Mormon model. Yeah, you're going to need a full-size van, but you're not going to need a camper attached to it. There you go. No. Tim tells interviewers that he got more and more frustrated with how little he could legally do about trafficking abroad as an employee of the U.S. government. Um, I, would, I would wager next to nothing. And this brings us to the story of a boy named Gardy. Gardy. Tim says that his life and career changed when he learned the story of a missing boy in Haiti named Gardy Marty. Sad <laughs> story, unfortunate rhyming scheme in the name. Sad name, but actually. I enjoy that name, though, the rhyme. I'm enjoying it. Well, we're going to hear it a few times. Okay. So he learned about the story of this missing boy, Gardy Marty, and his father, Guess No Marty's frantic search for him. So Gardy was born in the U.S., but lived in Haiti, and he was almost three years old when he disappeared from his father's church in Port-au-Prince in December 2009. Hmm. So while Gardy was a U.S. citizen, Tim didn't have the authority to take the case as a DHS or ICE employee. But according to his website, a question occurred to him. No. <laughs> what if we started an organization that could bring the necessary resources to countries around the world and rescue kids like Gardy? <sighs> Out of that idea... The organization was founded. Operation Underground Railroad. Stop oh it. God. Ugh. My notes have pause for name. Pause for name. So as I ice knew that offshoot. we had to talk about it. Yes. Once this, to be called Underground Railroad. This white Mormon wants to rescue children with an organization called Operation Underground Railroad. Hmm. What a name. Hmm. Just I'm sitting in it for a minute. It's not great. Yeah, it doesn't feel good, right? No. It's going to continue to feel not good, and then it will feel less good Ugh. over time. Edie. I need to shower anyway. There you go. <laughs> in 2013, the year OUR was founded, the organization described itself in tax records as made up of mostly ex-military members, and the missions were said to mainly occur abroad. 
Here's what they say in their tax records. Rescue teams are comprised of highly skilled ex-Navy SEAL, CIA, and other operatives. These teams work in conjunction in full operation with local police forces and governments to liberate children around the world. Liberate the children! Okay. Now, a thought is striking me. If Steven Seagal colon lawman could have joined OUR... (laughs) Mm-hmm. This would have been right up his fucking alley. He would have He would true. only do it if he could run the thing and train everybody in Aik- in bullshit Aikido. Uh-huh. It, it, the, you're very true, but he cannot because he is Stephen Seagal colon lawman, but his lawman's colon isn't good for him Get anymore. There. So his Get body's there. Reject- okay. rejecting it. You got there. You got, you got there. there. I knew it was going <laughs> to be a colon it. joke, and we got there. Did we though? <laughs> Only the best you on the plane. You're too kind, Sully. You're too kind. Look, Captain Kevin Kevinberger landed that plane in the Hudson. <laughs> uh, historically, cannot tell a joke, so I don't know why I keep trying. Now, in 2014, <laughs> these operators went to Haiti to try and liberate Guardi in the first of several missions. It did not go well. Two people who went on these missions told the same story to Anna and Tim at Vice. During the mission, medical care was being used as cover. Here's what that means. Tim and the operators posed as doctors and medical providers while in Haiti. Fucked up thing number one. If they were government representatives doing this, I am fairly certain they would not be allowed to do that. No, You can't fake being... A doctor. To what end? To move amongst the villagers. Because it sounds like what they would do in a movie. You mean to what? To ingratiate yourself to small children? Kind of, yeah. To to just that's what it move through like. the village without people knowing that you're oorah, big, big, strong man, savior, comma, white. In the lead up to the trip, Tim relayed tips from his source to his team of operators. And that source claims that many children were being held near one particular village and that Gardy was among them. Tim was so sure of this source's intel that he called Gardy's father, Gesno, to tell him that his son was coming home and to meet him at this village. Fucked up thing number two. Wow. Before the mission even starts, your baby's coming home. Your missing child, who we think has been trafficked, is coming home. Meet us at this village. Edie, if this is your long-winded way to get us to go and see this movie, you have sold that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pilling you. That's what this whole thing is. I'm trying to pill you on Sound of Freedom. I'm just giving you the Tim pill, y'all. At this point, Tim arrives in Haiti with his source. And here's how one person told Vice that it went down. Tim shows up with this woman, this very sheltered-looking soccer mom-ish woman from Utah. And he's being very defensive and won't let anyone talk to her. After a couple of days, I figured out she's a fucking psychic. That's his fucking source. Oh, 
my God. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) I hate myself. But, you know, sometimes psychics have good intel, like Allison from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills absolutely calls that Mauricio would not satisfy Kyle emotionally. It, it It's not her ability. It was that goddamn e-cig. That's what did it. That's where her powers <laughs> that, are. That vape. And how she like did all this business with the vape was the fucking best thing in the world. Amazing. Oh, the psychic's name was apparently Janet, according to Vice's sources, and her tip turned out to be wrong. (gasps) Damn it, Janet. Damn it, Janet. I don't love you. I don't like you very much at all. (laughs) Almost immediately after Tim and his team arrived, the folks in the village became suspicious and upset as Tim began circulating through town with a camera crew. Okay. All right. So it's a bunch of fake doctors walking around with cameras, drawing a bunch of attention to themselves. This is, this is, um, outrageous. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Can you imagine being there on this mission with Tim? No. Well, here's what somebody who was on the mission with Tim told Vice. He's not making decisions tactically. He's making decisions like a reality TV producer. And he starts running around the village like an idiot. The cameras are following him. He's drawing so much attention to himself. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like a reality TV show that he's trying to make. Yeah. It's it's all flash. Him and not children. Very little substance. Real children who are really missing. Eventually, the villagers began to gather around Tim and his team, some of them armed with shotguns. Frankly, good for them. Soon, OUR's crew learned about a rumor going around that there was a virus in the village and that Tim and his team, remember, dressed like medical personnel, were there to figure out who had it. And since Tim and his team weren't saying anything to anybody about medical things or any other reason why they were there... Folks are getting whipped up into a frenzy. One person who was there said they were yelling and getting riled up. Tim got in the truck and buried his head in his lap. Elders in the village soon asked this so-called medical team to get the fuck out, and a few cars followed them out of the village to make sure they'd gotten out of Dodge for good. One person who had gone on that Haiti mission told Vice, We never saw Gardy or any other kid. We never got close to helping anyone. Cool. God damn it. Vice was able to reach out to Janet the Psychic in 2020, who said, I signed an NDA, so I can't answer any of your questions. (laughs) A spokesperson for OUR told Vice, OUR has partnered with Janet, who was referred to OUR by a U.S. law enforcement agency for some of our top-level cases. She's been very successful in helping our rescue efforts alongside our law enforcement partners. Her skill set has long been used by law enforcement and government entities in this line of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, press X to doubt. I absolutely doubt that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While OUR admits to never finding Gardy, 
the organization has said that hunting for him led to incalculable other rescues. Tim and OUR have said that they're still searching for this boy to this day, and that in the process, children around the world have been liberated from traffickers. RUR wrote in July 2020, Gardy's story has led to the freedom of thousands. That was written uh, in a post announcing the sale of new Find Gardy hats available for purchase on their website. Is this a joke? You have to raise money because as soon as Gardy is found, they're going to give him all of that hat money. And we all know that. <laughs> they're just holding the hat money in escrow for Gardy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For Gardy. Yeah. Now, Miss, you asked me if this was a joke. It sounds like it. I fucking <laughs> wish it was a joke. I goddamn wish it was a joke. Because the Guardi mission is not the only one that went tits up. People who saw and participated in OUR operations overseas told Anna and Tim that these missions were often blunders. Cool. Often, real estate agents and high-level donors to OUR would just go along on these trips. The missions, they say seems to have the main goal of creating exciting video footage. Kevin, you ah. called it. Mm-hmm. And super crucially, these sources tended to think that the way that Tim's teams operated may even have contributed to the demand for trafficking victims. <laughs> and we'll learn a little bit about kind of maybe why that is. But yeah, to be like, you're making the problem worse, actually, yeah. <laughs> please, is not uh. something that you want to hear. Not even. Yeah. And uh, what about these like super muscle mask for mask Ura guys who are getting ready to go on these missions? Well, one person who made it through training for the so-called rescue team described the training as slapdash. But that's not how Tim tells it. A 2015 blog post about OUR's jump team on the organization's website says that their operators are the best of the best. The post claims that OUR's training is ongoing and consists of hand-to-hand combat and handgun instruction. Like, Steven Seagal would be, like, the ideal trainer for OUR. He's getting a semi just hearing that spoken. If he can. He can't. He can't. There's no way. There's no way. His blood's made of dust now. That's true. (laughs) Now, while ex-military and law enforcement personnel have indeed been among OUR's operators, they certainly don't represent the norm. One person who's worked overseas with OUR said, they claim they have all these special operations guys and it's complete and utter bullshit. This source and another ex-military source who's worked with OUR said that in their experience, nothing OUR did seemed like how the military or intelligence would do things. Good. Now, their website lays out a process for operations, but these sources say that's not how things go down at all. They describe no meaningful surveillance or identification of targets, no development of assets in country, like they don't have lasting relationships with people who live in the places that they go. Mm -hmm. They don't validate that the people they seek to rescue were in fact trafficked rather than being, say, voluntary sex workers Voluntary sex work is something that Tim doesn't super believe in, or that the people that they're targeting are even traffickers. 
and no meaningful follow-up with people who had been rescued. They just leave. Okay. All right. This sounds super legit. It sounds super great, right? One vet who worked with OUR overseas said that the rescues typically went like this. The jump team would show up in a location, flash a lot of cash, and push for pimps to show up with girls. And if a pimp returned with sex workers who were of legal age, the team would insist on younger girls. Ew. Yes. Experts say that this method could lead to girls being trafficked who otherwise wouldn't have been. This is what people are saying when they're saying you're contributing to the demand. You're the ones showing up, flashing a bunch of cash, and demanding underage girls. Where are the girls? Yeah. Like, how can that not be construed as that? Usually, after arranging for the women and girls to be brought to them, the operators would call local police who would make arrests, and then the operators would leave the country with little to no follow-up. One source said they conflate sex work and trafficking. They're making it worse. I have every confidence in that statement because everything that you've been saying so far, (laughs) I just, my head hurts right now. It's fucking. It's not great. Bonkers. It's cuckoo bananas. It is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But none of the blundering of actual so-called rescue missions can keep Tim and OUR from feeling like heroes. Now, this group claims to have worked in 26 countries, and they became known for this kind of aggressive, hyper-masculine, faux-military approach, which comes with a lot of marketable drama. But critics stress that women so-called saved in this type of way frequently face arrest or deportation themselves, and even trafficked people who want to be rescued— could be traumatized even further by the kind of approach that Tim uses. It's very raid style. It's it's like you're it's like they're swatting these areas. Yeah. Sometimes. OUR has explicitly and favorably compared itself to the abolitionist movement of the 1800s, not just with the name of the group, which I can't stress enough is called Operation Underground Railroad. We already had one of those. It was called the Underground Railroad. But you know what? Tim is absolutely one of those guys who thinks that the main people driving the Underground Railroad were white. Oh, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Without question. He definitely fucking thinks that. He's got white savior complex written all over him. Absolutely. They called a 2016 film that they produced The Abolitionists. Tim wrote a book called Slave Stealers, True Accounts of Slave Rescues Then and Now. I don't want to read any book that he has written about slaves. I just don't. Stop it. Tim, if you want to rescue people from modern day slavery, break them out of prison, yo. Yes. In 2017, OUR started selling a painting, which they say depicts the abolitionists of yesterday and today, including Tim Ballard and his wife. What is this? A a, a mix radio station? Like the greatest hits of yesterday and today? The greatest hits of the 80s, 90s, and today. That painting shows Tim, his wife Catherine, and another figure carrying sleeping children down a railroad track, while figures including Harriet Tubman and Abraham Lincoln hold lanterns to light their way. 
Wow. Not only did they actually put railroads in this. Yes, literal railroads, which shows how much they fucking knew about anything. Does he think the Underground Railroad was a railroad? I'm sure if you asked him, he'd be like, yeah, on trains. I was like, no. Harriet Tubman had people walking through the swamp at night. I'm upset about everything, about him, about America, about just how stupid people are. I want names. (laughs) I need to speak to the manager. Who approved this? Well, here's a name. Here's somebody who approved. President Trump was a big fan of the group. Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. He appointed Tim to serve on the Public-Private Partnership Advisory Council to End Human Trafficking, a group tasked with advising the federal government on anti-trafficking policy. And Trump made Tim the co-chair. Good. (sighs) Because this is the kind of guy that Trump's going to fucking love. Oh, it's yeah. Like, he's going to eat it up. This guy's a Liam Neeson. He's a real Neeson. You're like my buddy, Steven. You're like my best friend, Steven Seagal, but you're like real life, Steven. Like a real life, Steven Neeson. Everybody's saying it. Everybody knows it. <laughs> Steven, Steven Neeson. Neeson. Tim went to the White House in February 2019 and claims that his work as both a DHS agent and with OUR had shown him the need for a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Original. Before Tim and Trump became buddies, OUR built close ties with Utah politicians, which I believe they still enjoy to this day. Mm-hmm. I bet. Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes said in 2015 that before taking office the year before, he'd made a secret trip to Colombia with the group to rescue what a local newspaper called child sex slaves there. Reyes has since gone to many OUR fundraisers and was, at least for some time, a member of their advisory board. Good. OUR has been very successful in fundraising. Tax documents show that in 2018, it raised more than $17 million through contributions and grants. And in 2019, that number topped $21 million. And the chief executives made a pretty penny from this venture, too. In 2018, for example, Ballard made $343,022, while all the other chief executives made between $100 and $180,000. And where are the children? Where are these children? I don't, I don't, don't worry about it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. OUR reported giving out only $362,633 in grants and other forms of domestic assistance here in America. Meanwhile, they claimed office expenses that year of over a million dollars and compensation of almost that same amount, 924000 to top staff. Other funds, it said, they spent it overseas, most in the Middle East, more than $2 million, and a smaller amount, $908,000 in Central America and the Caribbean. OUR has ties to other organizations, too, and they're not nonprofits. Uh, Since 2017, Tim has been the CEO of the Nazarene Fund, uh, which is a uh, Glenn Beck organization, and their work is basically... um, supposed to be helping uh, fight against religious persecution of Christians 
around the world. That's not a thing. Well, not here at least. Yeah, like they're talking about like Middle East, Ukraine, um, Southeast Asia. Uh, There's also two other for-profit companies that are OUR subsidiaries. One's Deacon Inc., which OUR says employs independent contractors to perform tactical and security operations. It has no website or phone number, and its officers seem to all be chief executives at OUR. The other subsidiary, my favorite subsidiary, is Underground XFit LLC, which runs a CrossFit gym. (laughs) That gym's website says... We exist to provide financial backing to rescue children from sex trafficking and bring awareness to this cause, all while improving people's lives through fitness, nutrition, and knowledge of the body. (laughs) I can't. I can't. If I saw that, there would be nothing that would dissuade me more because there is something wrong with whoever put that message up about their CrossFit gym. Pounding protein and doing reps to save the children. <laughs> it's just yeah, think of the children. Think of the children. Yeah, think of the children when you're like, I don't know what they do in CrossFit. Like, um, they use trafficked no. children as dumbbells there too, because they give them jobs once they find them. You know what? That's that's part of the reentry program that they don't really <laughs> yeah. tell you about. Is that you're going to be sorted by weight. <laughs> and used for reps oh god <laughs> now OUR also claims partnerships with law enforcement that are weak at best uh, in 2020 OUR sent Vice a list of 21 domestic law enforcement agencies which it says it has supported or has partnered with they say that that list is not all inclusive Vice reached out to the agencies on those lists on that list, and those that responded mainly described like really tenuous ties to OUR. Police in Fairfield, California, for example, sent Vice a copy of a press release introducing a new canine, Frankie, a 20-month-old Labrador retriever trained to detect hidden electronic storage devices. Look, ACAB, what? except the the dogs didn't didn't want to be there. They're just no. Doing no, they're what just, they're told. They're just we perfect. we they're, still love the canines. Yeah, they're against they're the still perfect there. babies. But according to that press release, the funds needed to secure Frankie as a police dog came from a donation made by the DoTerra Healing Hands Foundation through OUR. Police could find no other records of dealings between OUR and the department. And the best part about that is that DoTerra is a multi-level marketing scheme. That is popular among Mormon women that sells like essential oils and bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. OUR through the doTERRA Foundation apparently also paid for a police dog named Siri in Seminole County, Florida, who's trained to sniff out thumb drives, hard drives, and other electronic devices. A police captain in Sutherland, Oregon, uh, found out when asked, he looked into it and said, that OUR paid for an officer to attend a training, paid for three nights hotel room for about 300 bucks. He thinks the course may have been free, and it looks like they also paid for his meals. But this is what OUR tweeted about um, the Sutherland Police Department's undercover officer 
program where he, the uh, undercover officer, uses an app where adults look to meet kids to try and do like a sting operation that way. And remember, mm. they gave 300 bucks for this. OUR tweets, with OUR support, the Sutherland Police Department in Oregon arrested two adult males in two operations. In one case, an adult male attempted to begin an online relationship with a 15-year-old female and then arranged to meet at a location where he was arrested. They had nothing to do with this. They sent the undercover officer on a training that was free, but paid for his hotel for a couple of nights. It goes on and on. With few exceptions, Vice found that OUR support for and partnerships with and partnerships with these agencies are super fucking limited. And now it's time to descend further into Bummersville, and we have to talk about Liliana. Okay. Liliana okay. is a real person. Vice has identified the trafficking ring that she was a victim of and the federal case in which she testified, but they kept the case number secret to protect Liliana's identity. That federal case in which she testified led to the convictions of her alleged abusers. The story that Liliana and other survivors told in court is markedly different from how Tim has described her story in various situations. Crucially, Liliana was not found nor rescued by anyone. When she was 17, after years of rape and manipulation and abuse, she escaped on her own. Mm. Say that again so everyone knows that's not... <laughs> she escaped on her own! Way to go, Liliana. That was fucking huge. Yeah. So according to Liliana and other women trafficked alongside her, she first met the man who would go on to traffic her in a village in Mexico in which she lived when she was just about to turn 14. The guy was around 17 and he pursued her romantically. It's a very, it's like the lover boy method of trafficking of the same type that uh, Andrew Tate is accused of using. Oh, okay. Liliana says she moved in with this guy and his family pretty quickly in part to escape two male relatives who had been abusing her sexually. So she was kind of out of the frying pan into the fire Soon, the man told her that they were moving to the U.S. for a better life. In October 2010, on their third attempt to cross the border, they arrived in Arizona and then went on to Queens, New York. Then things changed dramatically. Liliana says the man locked her in a house, left her an iPhone and an iPad, and said to call him when she was hungry. When she did call, he would just push Chinese takeout through a barred window into a locker. And that's how she would get Jesus food. Christ. It's really intense. Yeah. Soon the guy told Liliana that he expected her to sleep with men for money. And she and the other women who testified were expected to have sex with 15 to 20 clients per shift. Jesus Christ. And they were forced to hand over most of their money to their traffickers. So this went on for three and a half years. Liliana was the first of the women who decided to leave. She was then 17. And she did a very brave and very simple thing. She called a cab saying she was going to visit family and left forever. Good. Fucking way to go, Liliana. Good. That's how you do it. Good for you. The story Tim tells about Liliana is different and more sensational. His first public reference to her is in a January 2019 Fox News op-ed in which he quoted Nelson Mandela while arguing for the border wall 
as you do. The one thing Nelson Mandela would love is like an apartheid situation. How are people so stupid? I don't know. He had he had railroad tracks in his underground railroad painting that's for sale. You know, this guy's not he's he's not among yeah. our best. So here's what he says. <clears throat> not long ago, a 13-year-old girl from Central America, let's call her Liliana, was kidnapped from her village, then trafficked into the U.S. at a location where there is no wall or barrier. From there, she was taken to New York City, where she was raped by American men 30 to 40 times a day. The private anti-trafficking organization I founded over five years ago, Operation Underground Railroad, eventually helped Liliana escape her hell. Now let's go over what he got wrong. He says that Liliana was kidnapped. She wasn't. She was a victim of a very common sex trafficking method where the trafficker pretends to be a loving boyfriend. Trafficking victims are far more likely to have been victimized by people they're close to, but the kidnapping angle is more dramatic and it feels more nisany. Tim said that she was a bit younger than she was. Yeah, she was 13. She was really almost 14. So she's he's just skewing her age down a little bit and says she was trafficked not long ago when it happened almost 10 years before. He said that she'd come from Central America when she came from Mexico. He claims that she had been raped twice as often as the 15 to 20 times per day that Liliana testified to. There is no reason to exaggerate these already heinous numbers nope other than for some kind of dramatic effect, which is gross. If it, if it yeah, was more than gross. zero, it's 100% too much. We don't need to keep adding to it. It's just, it's simply already far too much. Yep. You don't need to make it more sensational. Especially when and this is a real human him, being. It's a real person. A real person that he's talking about. Crucially, Tim also said OUR helped Liliana escape her hell. They didn't. She rescued herself. She did it herself. Three days later, after this op-ed ran, Tim appeared at a White House event with President Trump, where he again argued for a border wall and again told Liliana's story, though without using her name. And here's where it gets a little bit weirder. Great. One little girl I can tell you about. In fact, I introduced this little girl to Ms. Ivanka Trump during a private briefing. This little girl was kidnapped in Central America, 11 years old, groomed for two years with the intent of getting her ready to come to America. They brought this little girl through a part of the southern border where there was no wall, easily got her to New York City. And this is hard to hear, but this is the truth, and everyone needs to hear this. This little girl, and this is very typical, Raped for money every day, 30 to 40 times a day. If that's not a crisis, if that's not an emergency, I don't know what is. So he's making it worse. Repeating yeah. the false kidnapping claim, making Liliana seem even younger. Now he's saying she's 11. This is he disgusting. implied that Liliana he's was a doing, little girl. He's, he's victimizing her over and over again. And he's doing it for himself. Gratification. The only reason he is saying anything, it is a, he wants to be a savior instead of saying, isn't it yes. incredible that this young woman rescued herself against every odd available to her? 
No, not only does he have to have something to do with it, but she has to be the youngest she can possibly be. She has to be raped the most times that she could possibly be. Uh, and she's got to, yep. it, it's, it's all got to be in service of we need to build a fucking wall. That's dis- this um, disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. And now he's saying I introduced Liliana to Ivanka Trump. Uh, there's no, there's no mouth. indication that that happened. Way. Vice reached out to Ivanka's office and they didn't get back to her. Three days right. later, Tim goes further in an op-ed in the Deseret News, which is a Utah newspaper. In this piece, he repeats the false claims and then even claims to be quoting Liliana herself, saying that she wants a border wall. Jesus Christ! Here's what he says that she says. Had there been a wall for me, my captors would have been forced to take me to a port of entry. A U.S. officer might have seen my distress. I might have yelled out to them. I am US currently working with Homeland Security agents distress. on my case. I love them. I think they would have rescued me at the port of entry. Barf. He is putting words in this person's mouth, referring to her like she's still a child yeah. when she would be like in her 20s at this yep. point. Tim referenced Liliana in both in-person and written testimony to the Senate Judiciary Committee on hearings about trafficking at the southern border. He said that he had been approved by the U.S. Attorney's Office to share details of her experience. There's no indication that that's true. And he referenced Liliana in written testimony to the House Homeland Security Committee as part of hearings on family separation. In both of these statements, Tim quotes so-called Liliana as saying... I know many girls who came in like me. We know a wall could have saved us. That's disgusting. Number one, nobody would ever say that, regardless of if they thought it was true or not. Number two, the wall would not have saved you. They would have turned you away or they would have detained you. Well, and people get trafficked across ports of entry all the fucking time. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 just a gross misstatement of what actually happens and because what actually happens doesn't matter what matters is a is an extremely disturbing story that serves as fodder for your argument that we need a border wall. It's just fascist it's, propaganda. It's just exactly. Disgusting. It's unclear how if at all OUR was ever associated with this case. What is clear is that OUR's interactions with the private and public infrastructure that's dedicated to serving survivors of trafficking in New York, where that case was prosecuted, and who would have almost certainly had some kind of interactions with the real Liliana, there's no trace of OUR's involvement with any of those private and public survivor infrastructures. In a February 2019 Facebook post, advertising a Valentine's Day card for sale that OUR said that Liliana designed herself. (gasps) The organization said that she was living with a loving family while studying for her GED. OUR also called her one of our survivors and stated that she found and rescued several years after being trafficked. Again, Liliana rescued herself. I'm upset. After around seven years of misleading claims like this, the man finally came around to OUR, sort of. 
Davis County, Utah prosecutor Troy Rawlings announced in October 2020 that his office was investigating Operation Underground Railroad. At the time, he didn't say why, just that his office had received complaints and he was investigating them. But in Instagram posts around that time, Rawlings implied that a local nonprofit was conducting illegal fundraising efforts by taking credit for arrests that were actually made by the Davis County Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, though Rawlings did not name that charity. In another post referencing soliciting for charities, Rawlings suggested that some witnesses have been hindered by non-disclosure agreements, and that post said, Additional witnesses, do not be afraid of their NDA. They cannot successfully sue you for cooperating truthfully with law enforcement. Just because someone claims they are called of God when asking for your money does not necessarily mean they actually are. Really? But in May of this year, after two and a half years, Davis County closed the investigation with no charges filed. Fuck off. Fuck off. That investigation involved allegations of communications fraud, witness tampering, retaliation against a witness, victim, or informant according to a declination statement, like a statement declining to press charges. The decision to close the investigation was made after Rawlings' office received and reviewed financial audits of OUR and information that law enforcement agencies, including the Utah Attorney General's office, supplied. Rawlings' office also considered details provided by OUR about their domestic and international initiatives, And uh, they also considered the current prosecutorial priorities of the Davis County Attorney's Office in making the decision. I'll remind you, listener, without further comment, that Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes has been on OUR's advisory board and joined the organization on a 2014 sting in Columbia. Do with that information what you will. And now we get to Sound of Freedom! The movie fictionalizing Tim's work at Homeland Security in an ICE division and his early days as a private anti-trafficking vigilante. The movie came out 4th of July weekend and stars Jim Caviezel, former Jesus, Jesus, and man who is absolutely pilled to the gills. He is, I think, our most pilled celebrity. A, he's not a celebrity. B, um... (laughs) Drag him. <laughs> Might be the biggest celebrity. <laughs> That's probably it. Just A, he's not a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Production on the movie wrapped in 2018, but was stuck in kind of distribution limbo until this year. It's brought in just under $50 million, which is pretty impressive. Uh, for fuck? Yes. $50 million, largely on the strength of a marketing campaign I'm surprised that y'all haven't heard about it because the ads for it have been all over Twitter, all over Reddit. I'm not on either. And there's also a marketing campaign, genius, frankly, encouraging uh, mostly religious audiences to not only attend the movie, but pay it forward by buying tickets for other people. At the end of the movie, you see Jim Caviezel make this plea to people in the audience to say you can do your part to help child trafficking, not by donating to any organization or anything like that. No, no, no. Buy tickets to this movie for other people to go watch it. Here, I bought you movie tickets to go see this God film. Uh, Yeah, this movie about 
fucking Tim who makes up everything. And so this movie is bringing tons and tons of attention to Tim and OUR. And both Tim and Jim Caviezel have been doing tons of press for the movie. Jim, for his part, adds some flavor that listeners might find familiar. In his interviews about the film, he loves to talk about the adrenochroming of children as a thing that is absolutely happening. Stop it. Oh, God. Stop it. Now, the movie doesn't actually portray any brain juice harvesting. It's more of a Taken-style action movie, very light on the action, about Tim trying to rescue one particular child. I think he literally leaves dozens of other kids behind at some point. (laughs) I haven't watched the movie. I'm not going to pay for it. A rescue like the botch job that happened in Haiti in 2014 is shown in the movie, but it's shown as a rip-roaring success at the climax of the film. But the movie isn't as pilled as QAnon devotees wish that it was. There's no mentions of adrenochrome. Not a single Clinton is named. But even so, it seems that many appreciate the movie as a conversation starter with their family and friends, if they're still on speaking terms, about child trafficking. Of course. First, garner real concern about real trafficking of children. Then, hit him with the cabal. As for Tim, he says he stepped away from OUR quietly sometime before Sound of Freedom came out. What happened is kind of a mystery. One source told Vice that Tim had gone to donors upset, saying he'd been forced out of OUR, and asking those same donors for help with a new organization. Another said that Tim was no longer with OUR and was focusing on his work with the Nazarene funds that um, one he runs with Glenn Beck focused on Christian religious minorities. Tim didn't say anything about leaving OUR on his press tour for Sound of Freedom. This month, he was interviewed by Jesse Waters on Fox News and said that criticism of the film by mainstream media outlets was playing into the hands of pedophiles. That's really what um, Tim and Jim like to say is, if you don't like my movie, it's because you're denying that child sex trafficking exists, which is partially why at the very beginning of the story, I stress to you, listener, and I stress to you again, child sex trafficking is real. And it happens everywhere in the world. On his show, Jesse Waters introduced him as the founder of the Spear Fund, which is a new organization that seems to have come out of nowhere. A a bare bones website for the Spear Fund lists Tim as a co-founder, along with a woman named Jessica Munoz, apparently an emergency medicine nurse practitioner in Hawaii, so says her LinkedIn. The website has... Very few details. A description reads only, The Spear Fund relies on experts in the field of anti-trafficking to consult on its many projects. That said, a donation page is already active. And that's a little bit about Tim Ballard. Child sex trafficking grifter Tim Ballard. Wow. Um, He is a fucking asshole. That's disgusting. He's the worst thing about that. I hate everything. He's the worst. This was a beefy story, I know, but like I cut out stuff about Tim. Listener, check out each of the um, Vice articles by Anna and Tim that I list in the show notes if you're interested. There is so much 
about him that I just had to leave out. But like, he's a fascinating figure. Anna and Tim have been the ones for at least three years going hard on him when uh, he had been kind of largely ignored, even by people who dip their toes regularly in right-wing conspiracy or right-wing grift waters. So uh, I'm glad, question mark, to have shared a bit about Tim with you all. Oh, fuck off, Tim Ballard. I hope you fucking choke. Mm -hmm. And I just a pox on your family. Look at what you're doing to the world. Fuck you. I know. And I feel for Liliana, whose story's been just perverted, used as a cudgel by this She's just another fucking victim in another way. Well, thank you, Edie. I really appreciate the story. It's it's prescient and it needs to be told. But also, fuck you, Tim Ballard. Miss! Yeah? Do you have a spoop for us? Spoop! Ah! Sure, sure, sure. Miss is a biscuit. Let her spoop you up. <laughs> you guys ready? I We're gonna am. get into some true spoopy, spoopy shit today. Oh god, so. yes. Haunt me, Daddy. <laughs> uh, okay. So one night in 2017, Adam Ellis woke up and saw a child sitting in the green rocking chair at the foot of his bed. Fun part is he lived alone with two cats and zero children. No, don't put a rocking chair at the oh. foot of your bed. Don't do no, that. No, it's a it's a terrible idea. It's the You're creepiest just kind of chair, it. and it's the creepiest location for a chair. Uh, yeah, yes, no. I think I know what the story is. Is is this oh, really? what I think it is? I think probably. So. This is not. This is a pretty well-known story, especially for us people in our 30s. We <gasps> likely followed this story in IRL. Well, no, IRT in real time. I sure did. I sure okay. did. I have right. no idea what we're talking about. <gasps> Hell yeah. Yay. Also, the best part is, is that he couldn't move because he was experiencing an episode. Uh-huh. We describe it as the best part. <laughs> we would, because he's uh, having an episode of sleep paralysis. Do we know oh. her? Uh, we no, hate her. Are we all haunted by her every day? Because uh, I am. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, she is persona non grata. Well, she's not really yeah. a person. No, she could. we could personify her. Demonis non grata. She's personified a lot in like Renaissance, Baroque, That's right. Romantic era paintings. I'm messing yes. up my yes. art. No, but um, especially medieval too. Yes. Yes. I was looking it up and the, there are types of sleep paralysis. And sleep paralysis happens when we go to sleep, hormones are released to basically paralyze our muscles. Because when we go into REM sleep, we have our vivid dreams, our vivid imagery. And the paralysis prevents us from sleepwalking, AKA acting out our dreams. It's a necessary part of sleep. It's also why when you wake up in the morning, you know, like sometimes you wake up in the morning and you like literally feel heavier, like moving is harder and you don't want to feel like you even have the energy to sit up. It's part That's of that. Everyone. I cartwheel out of bed every morning. I don't know what you're talking about. You actually, Kevin, never have, you would, Kevin. you would. No one knows my um, life. No. So sleep paralysis is when 
you are either falling asleep or coming awake. And when that happens, your consciousness gets a little fucked with. So you are having the vivid imagery of REM sleep while also paralyzed completely as if you were asleep. And, but you are, you feel awake. Your eyes are open. You feel like the imagery you are seeing is real. There are three types and the two major ones are, there's the intruder kind of sleep paralysis where- Hard pass. Even if you don't see anything, you are, you know, dreaming that there is a person or a evil presence in your room, something or someone is there to do you harm. And then there is, it's called the incubus. It's basically the chest, the chest pressure one, which is very common for people who have sleep paralysis where they feel like something is sort of like crushing or pressing down. And that's where the art comes from in in different ages. The demons basically sitting on people's chests. And the fun part is, is that usually they happen together. (laughs) So the intruder is the demon who's sitting on your chest. Is the demon who is sitting on your chest. It usually progresses between the two. I mean, obviously people have one and not the other and people can have an individual, just like an, an isolated episode for whatever reason, or it can be, you know, a chronic issue throughout your life. A lot of times I was reading, it's usually connected with narcolepsy, which is a neurological disorder. And then also it can be related to like uh, severe, like PTSD sufferers can also, can also suffer from sleep paralysis at a higher rate. Oh, that's like, so just like gifts after gifts. That's a bad combo. Shout out to everyone that has sleep paralysis. I know. Or who has ever experienced it. It is such a nightmare to even think about. Well, anyway, thank you for indulging me in my little info dump there. But I bring it up because it has a point to our story. Our main character here, Adam Ellis, has had sleep paralysis throughout his life. And up until this point, those dreams or episodes have been ramping up is this the cartoonist adam ellis uh-huh uh-huh it is uh-huh. the cartoonist alan Ed- yeah. uh, adam I ellis have from, seen uh, his cartoons on buzzfeed Feed. yes yeah. and while this basic is so- bitch hive rise up hey listen <laughs> when this happened 2017 2016 i was all up in buzzfeed i was sure taking worse. quizzes i was reading blurbs it was perfect. I'm just kidding. It wasn't perfect, but it was a way to waste time. But yeah, during this process, during the story that I'm going to tell, he is working for BuzzFeed. August 2017, Adam takes to Twitter and he details something that's been going on. The twi- it was a Twitter thread and it was a pretty long one. And it said, it started with, Quote, so my apartment is currently being haunted by the ghost of a dead child and he is trying to kill me. No. Easy. I know. I mean, easy, all easy. children are terrible, but this one seems extra frightening. Specifically terrible. The source for the story are mainly all of his tweets. Like, that's it. With that being our sources, it's going to be, it's basically just quote heavy. Cool. Quote. The first time I saw him, I was experiencing sleep paralysis and saw a child sitting in the green rocking chair at the foot of my bed. He started appearing in dreams, but I think he crossed over onto the real world now. 
He had. Oh He's on a, MTV. Yes, he's on MTV. Watch what happens when your sleep paralysis demon stops being polite and starts <laughs> starts real. being real. Yeah, and starts trying to kill you. He had a huge misshapen head that was dented on one side. I did my best to draw it, and y'all, in this drawing, it is basically the picture of like a kind of like a shitty little kid with like an over <laughs> with like an oversized head with like literally like a quarter of the head just missing. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah. I'm picturing Doug funny with a quarter of his head missing. Sure. That's not a terrible way to do it's, it. It's less of uh, Doug Funny and more Invader Zim. Oh, yeah. God, yes. You see? Oh, that's a horrifying image. Oh, no. It is. No, no and I'm going to tell you, I, like, I am not, like, a hard believer in ghosts. I have a hard time believing in anything, to be honest. But I am not going to lie and do say researching this. Do you believe in life this. after love? Do you yeah. believe in magic in a young girl's heart? Yes, I do. I believe in all of those things. <laughs> I freaked myself out looking into this and I already knew the story. I already knew, like I knew the whole thing. I've seen the pictures. I know the tweets, but like I did still kind of freak myself out. Like you can see the doorway behind me. I definitely mm-hmm. thought I saw a stupid little fucked up face in it for like a minute when the lights were out. <laughs> Miss, I got to say, you have too many things in your life going on as it is. No, I don't Do you need really want to have? Yeah, yeah. Come no, on. Now. Come I don't now. need that. <laughs> now, come on now. Now, come on now. Quote, I couldn't move because I was paralyzed. I have sleep paralysis fairly often. It sucks. For a while, he just stared at me. But then he got out of the chair and started shambling towards me. Shambling? Shambling is the worst way to move. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Just like the most casually menacing movement of a body. Why are you haunting him? He's so cute, Adam. I know, he is cute. Adam Ellis is is a cute boy. His depictions of himself in his comics are very Mm -hmm. cute. I've never seen the actual Adam Ellis. Right before he reached my bed, I woke up screaming. So that's fun. That was a fun ride for him. Nothing like waking up screaming to get you ready for the day. Uh... I had another dream a few nights later where I was in the library and a girl came up to me and said, quote, you've seen dear David, haven't you? Oh God. I was like, who? And she said, dear David, you saw him. He's dead. He only appears at midnight and you can ask him two questions. If you say dear David first. No, what? Somebody came up to him and said this in a dream. I'm picturing. Okay, I thought he was like at a library or something. No, well, the dream he was in a library. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's like that scene in It where he was in the library. That's what I'm picturing right now. Funny story about It. Keep that in your back pocket. Okay. Uh, But yeah, so he only appears at midnight, and you can ask him two questions if you say, Dear David, first. But she cautioned him. Never try to ask him a third question or he will kill you. He's no fucking genie. This isn't fucking Aladdin. No. no. Also, why are we engaging with the uh, like you don't maniacal need to ask him any questions. Yeah, no. You can ask him two questions, but Zero. you don't have to ask him any. Yeah. You can ask him to not ask him any mm-hmm. questions. Can I just yeah. not ask you any questions? That's a question. <laughs> I know. It is a question, and you're going to get an answer for it. But can you wish for infinite wishes? It's not a wish. It's a question. This is this dear David. Okay, but what about if you wish for true love? He is not to be a prince. He is not Robin Williams stuck in a blue genie facade. But 
Will he make me Prince Ali of Agrabah? His answer will be no. Then David came back in another dream. Same situation. I was in bed and he was sitting in the rocking chair near the window staring at me. In the dream, I say, dear David, how did you die? He mumbles, an accident in the store. I say, dear David, what happened in the store? He groans, a shelf was pushed on my head. That's where we get that dent. I'm frozen with fear, but I ask, who pushed the shelf? (gasps) David doesn't answer. I realize I've asked a third question, which I'm not supposed to do. And at that point, I wake up absolutely terrified. You done did it now. Oh, my God. I've had some nightmares. I've had some bad dreams that, like, stick with me. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. the kind that just, like, they they stay with you and you kind of just think about them every once in a while. But this is fucked up. I don't want to interact with people. I don't want... To dream about a scary boy and then have another dream about a random girl to tell me how to talk to the scary boy and then talk to the scary boy. I don't want that. A, that just seems complicated. And B, that's not fun for me. No. It's not fun. It's not fun. And it can't be fun for David. Uh, David's having zero fun. No. Life or death. No fun. Child ghosts really bum me out because it's like, (laughs) if anybody's going to have... If I would hope for, if not a lovely afterlife, then like right. a peaceful afterlife of nothingness, I would right. want that for a dead for child. But children. this like yeah. three quarters of a head shambling dear David, that's terrible. He's he already had like, a shelf pushed on his head. He's not had a good time. No. Dear David doesn't kill Adam, but he isn't hurt from for a few days either. In the meantime, Adam begins researching accidental deaths in the city involving people named David, with no luck. Quote, the next couple days I googled deaths in the city, but can't find anything about a kid named David dying in a store. I even tried different names, Daniel, Dylan, Devin, nothing. And a few weeks go by without incident. Sort of randomly, the apartment above mine is vacated, and I have the opportunity to move into it. It's a larger apartment, so I'm thrilled. So Adam's moving up. This will come in play later, but the apartment he lives in is actually an old house that has been changed into two apartments. First floor, second floor. After about a month or so in the new apartment, Adam mostly forgot about Dear David. Quote, another month or two goes by and I sort of forget about dear David. I think he lost track of me because I moved upstairs. But the Mm. peace does not last. (laughs) Mm. No, you got to stay frosty with dear David. You can't forget about him. Yeah, no. For the past four nights, my cats gather at the front door at exactly midnight and just stare at it. Almost like something is on the other side. So there's pictures and it's just like... On the other side of that door. Mm-hmm. We have Maxwell. The other side of the veil. Sure. Yeah. Dark side of the moon with Mr. Craterhead. So the cats are just sitting in front of the door. We have Maxwell, who is a white slash tabby mix. And then we have Pepper, who is black. Maxwell will be an integral part of the story later. Aha. Uh-huh. Last night, I got a weird feeling and looked out the peephole. 
and I'm dead certain I saw movement on the other side. When I opened the door and turned on the hall light, nothing was there, but my cat seemed unnerved, bushy tails, etc. And that's where I am now. Dear David found me, I think. I don't know what to do. I'll keep you updated. I think he's crossed over into the real world now. Oh my God. So that is the original thread. All of those, all of that information, all of those tweets came out on August 7th, 2017. So now what we're doing is we're going through not real time, but he does updates every few days or every so often. But that is what initially kind of set the internet abuzz was this thread. Yeah. About this kid with a dented head who is now in real life haunting this cute little illustrator for BuzzFeed. After this, we get an update. Update. For the sixth night in a row, my cat has walked over to the door promptly at midnight and stared at it. Now from now on, it's mostly just Maxwell. Pepper is uh, fucking fucking off somewhere, which is Oh, yeah. Pepper could hardly be bothered. That night... Adam tweets a video of Maxwell the cat yelling a bit. So he's not just watching it. Now he's screaming, well, meowing and scratching at the front door. Mm -hmm. Adam had a feeling something or someone was on the other side of the door, but he didn't want to open the door to check, which is cool because it is midnight. It is creepy. And I'm going to stay on the side with the lock. So Mm -hmm. keep it closed. Molly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> so instead, he took a picture through his peephole in the front door and he could see through it, but it wasn't very clear. He wanted to see what was out there, but he did see like he didn't see a person, he didn't see anything out there. So he gathers his courage and opens the front door and he takes another picture. Mm-hmm. And he was happy to find nobody was there. Back inside, he compares the two pictures. And he posts them side by side with the following caption. Is it just me or is there something in the first photo right where the banister meets the shelves hiding on the stairs? I have looked at these photos and I'm not saying there's nothing there. I'm just saying I don't really see it. Like you can kind of see where there's like sort of like a maybe like a shadow, like a darkness but I am not the person to judge. I believe that he believed that's what he saw. Just in case, Adam took a second. Just in, He was worried. He's like, okay, well, maybe there was just dust or grime on the people. So just in case, he takes a second people picture and is con- even more convinced that something was there in the first picture because it looked different. I deadbolted the lock and got into bed because I don't know what else to do. I can still hear my cat meowing at the door. I'm pretty scared. So he thinks he saw a ghost or movement or something. Like even after, after like the dreams that he's been having and all that stuff, like even it's, if it's like just a DoorDash driver in the hallway. Right. 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 It's going to be really scary. Yeah. I would be. I live alone. Things get scary. You do get used to it. I don't get scared anymore. That's my problem is that if this was happening to me, I'd ignore the whole thing and just blame mm-hmm. it on the cats. Until it gets and worse yell and more. Mentalize, baby. Yeah, I do the thing that I do now, which is yell at them while my eyes are still closed and the lights are still off. 
And every once in a while, I'm just like, if it's a murderer, can we just get this over with? I'm very tired. Yeah, we're, I'm not a fight back Not a fighter. Not at all. I'm just like, how can we resolve this amicably? We can't. Do you want to take my apartment? I'll just leave. Thank you. I can leave. You can have all of my debt. I mean money. And you can have all of the food. I'll just take these fucking assholes, these cats, and I'll leave you to it. How about that? (laughs) For the next few nights, nothing new happened, but the cats kept on screaming at the door every night at midnight, nearly exactly on time every single night. At this point, multiple followers suggested that he protect himself. So at this point, he drew a line of salt in front mm-hmm. of his front door. Yeah. Perfect. And his caption was like, I don't even I've know s- if this is the right salt. And it's just like, I've seen Hocus Pocus too. Yeah. I know. Right? And he's like, I don't even know if this is the right salt. And it's like, you know, just like the table salt, which I don't Morton's. know. That could pro- probably be fine. I don't know what salt does. Um, which talk would know. Which talk That's would true. know. Call back. The next night, Adam decided Adam downloaded an app where it recorded sounds while he was sleeping. Quote, I used a sound app to record my apartment last night. It makes individual recordings each time and hears something. There were 33 recordings. Most of them were pretty vague. A couple of cars passing and the like, but there were three that I'm interested in. Okay. And I did listen to these and it's not worth like playing them for you guys just because um <laughs> sorry i just saw kevin try to sneak that in there um have an april spritz yeah i just got oh god it. i'm so <laughs> i just like it was so funny because he kind of like had it like halfway <laughs> off camera and he kind of like brought his face yeah i'm not hiding camera. anything i'm sorry yeah i'm gonna live out loud <laughs> no i want that april spritz i love it <laughs> sorry um I, I, and, and they're not worth playing too much just because it wouldn't go well over this medium. Um, but the first one he called a snapping or stepping sound, meaning like somebody stepping on like one foot stepping down on a wooden floor. I thought it sounded more like a snapping sound, like something hitting like real quick, like a something like that. Could it be a tongue like, pop? No, it was definitely not loud enough. No. The ghostly presence of Alyssa Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to be haunted, I'd choose Alyssa. It Alyssa's would be the most secret. fun, annoying. I am a Christian woman. <laughs> I am a I am a mentor. I am a teacher and a mentor. <laughs> Why are you squirping like a chirping like a <laughs> <laughs> back rolls? <laughs> Right. I, I'd be so happy to just hear back rolls in the middle of the night just right? randomly. <laughs> or just, all right. All right. Just a casual. Mom. Mom. Like you're excited. You think it's Alyssa. It's Laganja. And you're like, okay. Uh, all right. I mean, it's fine. It's just, still House of Edwards. I mean, it's fine. It's, it is. She's still in the House of Edwards. And that's still she fine. Is. But like. You know who else is though? Shangela. Ooh. Problematic. Ooh. Is she? Yeah. I didn't realize. Hard R word. Really? Yeah. Litigation mm. and everything going on. Unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Accusations. Messy. Yeah. No, messy. real. What? Yeah. Messy. I didn't know. Okay, I know what I'm doing later. Oh, mm-hmm. God. 
And she wanted to worked. Too. Yeah, you want to know why? There's a whole new uh, cast on We Are Here for season four. Is that and why? Is that why? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <gasps> back to Stay dear focused. David. Stay focused. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. You just I dropped am, a bomb. On I know. Me. I know. Clearly, I'm so sorry. I am not the only one who forgot to take my ADHD medication. <laughs> Um, the next clip, the second one that was interested in him was a 16 second clip of just electric static that is clearly not there in any of the other recordings that his phone picked up on. It's just middle of the night. He's asleep. It's just like, like white noise almost, which is weird. And the final one that he was interested in was the same as the first one with like that snapping, stepping sound. Um, But it was followed by a small groan by Adam. And it was basically just like, "Uh." (laughs) Like, that was was, was it. (laughs) How was it, miss? (laughs) Uh. Ah, that's right. Yes. All of the sounds happened between two and three a.m. I have no explanation for them. I'll keep recording and share if I find anything curious. Now, after going out of town for a weekend, Adam came back with like a pull. Do you remember those Polaroid like in stacks, like the, the mm, new Polaroid mm-hmm. that had like the little pics? Um, he said, quote, Polaroids are stupid and fun and inherently sort of creepy. Agree. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Especially doing true crime. I feel like a lot of the worst shit in the world has been captured on a Polaroid camera. So just all the best thinking. stories involve Polaroids. Looking at you, sure. BTK. Oh, my um, God. Mm-hmm. Hey, you guys promise if I send you a floppy disk, <laughs> you can't trace it. <laughs> you can't trace it. Yeah, yeah, man. We yeah, fucking yeah, boomer. of course. You can trust the police. <laughs> How do I save a JPEG? Oh, stupid. Okay. The first two were fine. He took a picture of his living room and then a picture of his bedroom. No issues. But for shits and gigs, he decided to take a picture of the hallway where he believed he saw something through the peephole before. So what he did was he opened the front door and just stepped back and took a picture of it. And Mm -hmm. when it developed, though, where the door opening was, was pitch black, even though the whole light was clearly on. So he thought, because he was, oh, no, I'm sorry. This one, he's standing in the doorway taking the picture out. So it's just the hallway. And it was completely black. And so at first, he sa- so he says, quote, I also thought maybe I accidentally covered the lens with my finger. So I took another picture intentionally covering it to compare it. They did not look the same at all. Mm. Now, was it the same? Was it the first um, the no. first sheet in the pack because that'll come out black. Many followers suggested the same thing, but he said no. The first pictures he took were of his bedroom and his living room, and those turned out fine. Mm-hmm. Well, damn. Yeah. So the first one that he took of the hallway is literally black. It looks like it was undeveloped. It looks... So he takes a picture thinking maybe he covered it up. So he intentionally does that. And this picture doesn't look anything like that. This picture is gray and it looks like basically like you're covering it up. Like there's still some little like ambient light getting through. He even took, he took another one where he took a video of himself taking the Polaroid a second time for the haters 
and they turned out the same black hallway. At the insistence of a follower, Adam then took the same photos from farther away using his iPhone and the Polaroid. So this is what I was talking about before. So he's basically like in the middle of his living room. You can see the entire doorway looking out. Mm -hmm. He takes a picture of his, with his iPhone. You can see the light out in the hallway. You can see the banister normal. He takes the exact same picture with the Polaroid and the doorway is black, completely black in the Polaroid. But then the, the thing, the entire Polaroid is black or Mm -mm. the, what is inside the the doorway. Ooh. So that's it's like all of his apartment is lit up and it doesn't, it's not even like he, you know, he just turned the light off and took it because there would still be light from the apartment flooding into at least the beginning of the hallway. Mm-hmm. You know, be like totally, totally black. No, probably. this, this is like, there is like a, like it was painted black. After posting all of the images to Twitter, followers started running them through editing apps to see what they could find. Many different users claimed to see when brightened up that one with the black doorway claimed to see uh, something in the doorway. I couldn't see it, but it doesn't mean it wasn't there. He also said, you know, it could be there or not. Um, but yeah, then eat your heart out, Ghost Adventures. This really? thread is so much no, better than anything on the goddamn History Channel or no, it's so like much fun. TV or wherever the fuck this shit goes on. <laughs> then Adam took some advice from his followers and saged his apartment to cleanse it of bad energies. The next morning, he tweets, "Quote: Sage did not work." End quote. <laughs> he, well, okay. he had if a- you'll recall from our witch talk episodes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have yeah sage sage probably didn't work probably didn't work a little bit problematic as a white dude yes maybe stop using sage (laughs) as a white it's problematic because it didn't work because that night he had a dream about david quote i haven't dreamt about david in a few months but he appeared again last night in the dream my bedroom was filled with a hazy smoke but i could see david sitting in the chair across the room he was taller he was smaller this time almost shrunken. He didn't do or say anything except look at me. Anyway, it felt like a bad omen. So that's creepy because the day, the the night you, because like when you're saging, it's obviously smoke, smoking around. So he, now he has a dream. Anyway, John, it's smoky. Meanwhile, Maxwell, the cat has still been at the door every night keeping the baby demon away. Adam has also kept the sound recordings up every night. And every night around 3 a.m., the app recorded about five minutes of static, like uh, the same static from before. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's mm-hmm. like the end of contact when they've got, yeah. was it 18 minutes of white Ooh, noise? Something oh, like that. Oh, my God. God damn yeah. it. Fuck. Contact so, rules. we got to watch contact. It is. It does. On August 21st, Adam tweets, quote, all ghost stuff, all this ghost stuff has been spooky, but the past weekend was the first time I actually felt unsafe in my home. That Friday, Adam had dreamed of David again. Quote, I had a dream that night where David was dragging me by the arm through an old abandoned warehouse. Eesh. I'm not sure why I didn't fight back in the dream or how he was strong enough to pull me, but that's dream logic for you. When he, I want when to show you the shelf, Adam. Get away from me, demon baby. (laughs) 
Um, when he woke up, there was a bruise on his arm where Dream David had dragged him. He fully admitted it could have easily been from something the day before that he didn't register. It right. wasn't a huge bruise. It wasn't like a handprint, but it was a bruise where he says he was dragged, which would freak me out even if, you know, I bruise easy and it would still freak 100%. me out. Oh, definitely. So the next morning, Adam is walking, I think, I don't know where he was going. I forgot to write it down, but he's going somewhere in his neighborhood and he passes a food cart repair depot on his way. Oh, on his way to breakfast. And this place has, he's lived there for four years. And he says every single time he's gone back there, there's been tons of people, tons of noise, tons of just business happening. But this time he walks by and it's silent, which like businesses close. Like we didn't send an invitation about it, but but what really caught Adam's attention was that the only thing in the entire warehouse was a single green chair. Now no. the color, the no. color green is like a, like a little kind of like motif happening here. Cause there's like another green thing later, but yeah, just a single green. Now it's not his chair. It's not a rocking chair, but just a single green chair. Man, thank God the Warrens are dead because they would have right? knocked on Adam's door. <laughs> oh my God, they would have moved themselves in. Dollar signs in there. They were eyes. like that meme of the 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 black guy in the yellow suit behind a tree, where he's just like, Ooh. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. like getting getting ready, <laughs> getting ready to get your money. But then he remembered he had just had a dream about being dragged through an abandoned warehouse the night before. Uh, and again, he says it could all be coincidence, but he really started to get freaked out. After this, the cats kept up their nightly vigil, but it changed a bit. It wasn't just midnight. Now, every night at 10 p.m., the cats would scream at the front door for like exactly 15 minutes, like 15 minutes on the dot, and then they would walk away. When they would walk away, he would get a phone call from an unidentified number. It just said, no. unidentified <laughs> number. Every single time, the cats would walk away. So one night he decides to pick up. Like the cats are like, we did our part and the shift. But uh, so one night he decided to pick up. Quote, I didn't say anything. I just listened, waiting for an automated message to chime in. After about a minute, the static stopped and there was silence. I kept listening. I heard what I thought was breathing, but it was so faint. I can't be sure. My heart was racing, so it was hard to hear. Then just as I was about to hang up, I heard a very small voice whisper, hello. Oh, God. No, no, no. I panicked and hung up. I didn't know what else to do. I closed all the curtains in my apartment and turned out every single light. Rational reaction. Of course. What else are you supposed to do? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so now, on August 28th, Adam does a series of tweets, including that he moved the green rocking chair to the living room. Excellent idea. Good. Excellent start. That, uh-huh, that he was going to be in Japan for three weeks coming up, and that he hoped David would lose track of him while he was in Japan. He had also set up some pet cams so he could keep an eye on the cats while he was away, and the cameras were motion-activated, and every time they are activated, they send a notification to let you know that they turned on. And he decided to test them during a weekend trip. That night, he, he got notifications and decided to look at the footage. As he viewed, he didn't really see anything odd, but something caught his attention. And he went back and watched and realized that as he watched, 
the rocking chair started from completely still, then started rocking for 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you see it come to a complete stop. As spooky. Did okay. he post this video? Spooky. Yeah. Yep. I was going to send it all to you, but it was very annoying. So I didn't. But all of this, all of the tweets, all of the photos, all of the videos, even the sound recordings, all available. You can go I listen mean, to if them. If he made all of it up, that's a lot of work. I'm I mean, like, it's a lot of work. If he made it all up, I honestly, on that's him. what that's I started. Fabulous. Yes. Like at first, at first when I heard this, I was like, this is so stupid. Obviously, it's made up. Like, why are, like, I don't believe in anything. I'm dead. Yeah, first one, I was like, cool, like horror story. I don't really want to hear about your new media horror story. Like, cool. And then as it's going, I'm like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So September 5th, Adam starts a new thread with, quote, it's happening again. On 9-3, on, I'm sorry, September 3rd, the camera recorded Maxwell. And in the video, he freaks out. And jumps over something invisible. And then he gets on the couch and stands on his hind legs on and off, going up and then down for hours Uh, in the same spot. The camera also recorded a turtle shell and then a knitted cactus, both green, fall just for no reason, fall off a shelf like the tallest shelf on like a bookcase. No reason. Um, and apparently David just doesn't like that shelf because he says it's, uh, it's odd behavior from Maxwell in any event. Things feel off this week. I can't explain it. On September 16th, Adam tweets about dreams he's been having of severed heads and dark figures staring in through his windows, even though he's on the second floor. Quote, on the pillow next to me was a severed head and with a bloody spine attached to it, snaking down the bed. The head was staring right at me, somehow alive. It had a huge smile plastered on his face. Horrified, I screamed, what happened to you? The head smiled even better, even bigger and said, quote, it feels nice. Oh, what a dream. Whoa. I don't. No, I don't. I'll, I'll, I'd I'll. never be okay. I'm not going to lie. To clear his head after the nightmare, Adam goes down to the bodega for a drink and walked past the warehouse. Walking past, he hears a loud thunk. Not being able, not about to leave it alone, he sees an open window and t- just puts his hand through the window and just snaps a picture and <laughs> runs away. Which, like, I don't, I don't know. He... When he gets home, he looks at the picture and he believes he sees David. I couldn't see it again. Honestly, I stared at it long enough. I thought I saw a dog, but that's not right. Anyway, then Adam leaves for Japan. Good. Don't go back to that apartment. Leaving the country did not dissuade David. The dreams continued. When he's back in October... The updates truly begin to slow down at this point. Like up until now, before he went to Japan, they're pretty frequent. In October, the updates begin to slow, but there is still activity. He began having electrical issues. Newly replaced light bulbs were burning out and bursting very quickly. He had a LED backlight strip behind his TV. And one night 
It turned on and off multiple times on its own before breaking completely. So that happens. It freaks him out and he can't sleep. So he goes out and gets breakfast. He comes back and gets ready for work and he starts hearing scratching noises outside his front door. He can't bring himself to look through the peephole after everything, but he did take a picture through the peephole again and he thinks maybe he can see something, but he's not sure. Quote, I think maybe it's time to get someone else involved. It's obvious this isn't going to stop until I do something. I'm just not sure what that is yet. I'll let you know when I figure it out. So in the meantime, I don't have any more information of it, but he knows a friend and he gets his apartment cleansed. I don't know what that means. Uh. It's not the smudging. I don't. This it's house prob- is clean. Like maybe he <laughs> just got like he hired someone to clean his house, which that, that would be great. Quote, things appeared to go back to normal. The cats weren't gathering at the door anymore. I stopped having dreams for like a very short time. November 5th, the dream started again. Quote, in the dream, I saw him in the chair again. I don't have the green chair in my room anymore. This time it was a recliner I've had for years. He was staring right at me, just like the first time. Again, I felt paralyzed and could barely move. But this time something was different. This time, though, he wasn't completely paralyzed. For some reason, he felt he could still move his hands. So when Dream David began crawling up the bed, Dream Adam grabbed his phone and took pictures. When he woke up the next morning, he was looking at his phone and realized he had actually taken pictures IRL. So, yeah, and these aren't good ones. These are the fucked up ones. These are ones where you can see a little boy with a big fucking dent in his head sitting in a chair and then you no. see the ne- and then you see the next one and they're like he's moving s- closer to the bed i would like to send them to you there's no way that there's photos of this i promise you i am looking at the photos right now yeah wow. dear david look it up and then go on images and then you will obvious you will be able to see or i can send them to you Oh God. Yeah. Is it like a, a boy like s- standing Sitting up? in a chair? And then there's one where he's standing. Oh my God. Uh-huh. It's really fucking scary. Oh my God. And it does look like he's got a yeah. quarter Huge. of a head. Yeah. Listeners, I highly encourage you to look up these images. They're like what is this? Spooky it looks, as it hell. looks like like early um like the Dolly generated photos from like nine months to a year ago that look like really fucked up of like, yeah, you show now, me it's not Yoda huge. eating pancakes and it's like all distorted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fucked. Then we don't hear from Adam for 10 days. So all of his followers rightly assumed that David got him and he was gone, but not yet. November 17, he tweets that he heard thudding noises coming from above his apartment. He lives on the top floor. He noted that there is no roof access to his building and that the sounds were not just old pipes. Quote, it was distinctly the sound of something falling on the floor. My building is old and it makes a lot of noises, but this was a new sound and it startled me. He then goes to investigate the building and realizes there must be an attic above him because he found like a hatch door into the ceiling. He calls it a crawl space repeatedly and I will not indulge him because those are under houses And above floors, we have attics. Just saying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
I'm uh, all side right. with you on that. Yeah. All right, Crawlspace Otto, Otto. attic expert. Listen, John Wayne Gacy didn't hide his bodies in an attic. It was a crawl space. <laughs> when he... Um, bup, bup, bup. Anyway, he realizes the space is directly above his dep- apartment, but not like the entire apartment. You can see like in the hallway where the roof is. It's much higher. There's a lower area that's like three feet by three feet, but it's very high up and he can't reach it. So he orders a telescoping pole so he could poke through the hatch and see what's up. When he updates again, he says the sounds haven't let up above his apartment. Quote, I'd barely fallen asleep when I woke up to an incredibly loud crash above me. It sounded like somebody dropping a bowling ball. I bolted upright in bed and immediately felt strange. There was a weird energy all around me. I can't explain it. After about a minute, I heard another crash. I briefly thought about grabbing my shoes and booking it, but it would mean passing under the hatch, and that seemed like a bad idea. So instead, I just listened and waited, though I'm not sure for what. The crash happened again, and then again, probably 15 times in a row, followed by a long silence. Then I heard a smaller, creaky sound coming from the hallway. In my mind, I registered a footstep, but it could really have been anything. After that, Adam says the sound stopped and he must have fallen asleep. After, how, the next morning, he goes to get his Saturday bagel because that's what he does every Saturday because he's cute. Um, however, before he left, he noticed that there was like a bunch of like debris on the stairs under the hatch. So he said, fuck the bagel. Which if you're scared, like if you're me, you get the bagel first because you might not know when you're going to get a bagel again. But like I'm a bagel first bitch. Like quote me on it. Walk into the room bagel first. Bagel Mm -hmm. first. But he ran back into his apartment and got the telescoping pole. When he reached up with the pole, something fell from the hatch. A very old, small, like child-sized leather shoe. And it was then that the land like he finally contacted the landlord who was just like yeah i'll bring my ladder maybe do that from the beginning but that's just me the landlords the landlord went up there he looked in it and he said there was nothing in there and then he says wait hold on a second and then all he finds he reaches back and he comes out with an antique hand like hand-blown glass marble and it's green of course of course it's green of course Mm-hmm. Of course. Now this this marble, you could tell it was it was from a certain time period from like the turn of the um 1920 20th century because there marbles used to be made in like a glass it was like a tube and then you snip them off to like form the ball and so most oh, marbles yeah. had kind of like an almost pointed side to it and oh. it was one of these marbles. So okay. Do with that what you will. Adam then decided to keep the shoe and the marble on his desk in his home. You idiot. I don't know if that was the right choice. It's just a choice he made. I mean, like, yeah, what are you going to do? Destroy them? Like, I don't know. But maybe you destroy them. Maybe you just destroy them. Uh, maybe you them. don't put them maybe in you your just home. burn them. Or, I don't or, know. Maybe or, just leave them. Just put them back. Or toss them in the river like the Jumanji <laughs> board yeah. game. December 12th, he tweets that... Um, He's been waking up multiple nights just feeling strange and like someone is watching him. 
So he downloaded an app that just takes pictures every 60 seconds and set it up on a bookcase near but above his bed. Um, almost all of them were just him sleeping, um, except for some. I'm at a loss of words uh, because he sees a series of pictures where there is nothing in the chair. There is a there is David in the chair. Then it looks like David is like basically bent in half over, still sitting in the chair. And then there is a picture and he's not there anymore. And then the next one, there is a little person standing on his bed right oh, there. No, no, no. And no. then the next one is a picture just of like the side of his head with like um, an ear and like wiry hair. Quote, I'm at a loss for words. That malformed ear, that stringy hair, I didn't even know what to think. I looked all over my room and couldn't find anything. And honestly, I've been so exhausted, I didn't know how to process it. Even now, all I want to do is just go to sleep. Which is sort of like the most haunting sentence out of all of it. All I want to do is go to sleep. I know, right? Just Same, Adam. While in Montana over Christmas, Adam said he started looking for a new apartment in New York. He didn't want to move, but he was at a loss and he was just so sleepy. Quote, but after a few days, I started to feel strange again. One night I got up to go to the bathroom and as I stood there in the dark, I couldn't help feeling like there was some something moving outside the bathroom window. When he went outside the next morning, quote, when I got up close, my heart practically stopped. They weren't tracks I was looking at. They were footprints, really Oof. small footprints. Oof. David had followed Adam to Montana. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Now it's early January. We're almost, we're almost done. Okay. January, 2018, Adam is back home in New York. That night he dreams. I think it's January 2nd. He dreams that David is hovering over his bed, staring down at him, his mouth moving faster than Adam thought it could. Oh God. He still had the app set up, taking pictures every, every 60 seconds. And they're fucking horrifying because the pictures are of David suspended over his body just like he said. So, Oh God. Yeah. Just crazy. Just literally flat hovering, no strings, just crazy demon baby hovering over a sleeping Adam. I don't want that. Um, and then, I mean, if this, this is a bit, this is the best bit in ever. the history of bits yeah. <laughs> ever. Listen, he's an illustrator. He's an artist. He could yeah, he's probably an artist, do like, something, so he could but definitely, you know, he could probably do something like this. This is a lot and of if work. He did, I goddamn love it. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing until January 16th when Adam tweeted that he was actually feeling and sleeping a lot better. He, the only thing was, is he was starting to lose time. Quote, like, I'll look up at the clock and realize a whole hour is gone and I don't remember any of it. Which his followers logically took to mean that he is now being possessed by yeah, David. David's <laughs> entering your mind. Yeah, and Whoa. honestly, there's not terribly much more to the story. Later in January and in February, there are two videos posted of the cats being weird. There are also some random tweets that his followers really analyzed. Like, they tried to say, like, it wasn't Adam, it was... It was David. It was David tweeting. Of course. David's tweeting. But like, I really David the ghost these, is tweeting. But like, what gave it away was like, um, 
one had like an emoji and like one, there was like two spaces between a word. And I'm just like, <laughs> y'all, I see yeah, what okay. you're doing and I appreciate it, but you're really trying too hard. There's a lot of straws being grasped at right now. Yes, 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 yes. Um, then in June, 2018, the news broke that Dear David, the movie was in the works. I yep, just it's read that. Coming, coming out, out, out in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, this year, wow. 2023. <laughs> Yep. To this day, Adam says everything he documented and experienced was completely real. He acknowledges that it looks like a publicity stunt or it looks like he did it in the hopes of getting attention. Um, But yeah, production was No shame in that game. No, there isn't. Either way, it's creepy as shit. And I want to see this movie. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Apparently, um, Justin Long is in it. Yes, a guy named Justin Augustus Prue is playing Adam. Yes, he is. He's a cutie. Um, he is cute. But yeah, and that until the movie is released is all we really know about yeah, Dear David. We have fucking two based on a true story movies mm-hmm. related to our stories today. Accidental yes, theme. That's right. I, I, I Telepathic just, triangle of trust. What the trust. What are we doing? We're just so good at these episodes. Thank you, Miss. That was a great story. You're welcome. I think it's spectacular. And Edie, thank you equally. Your story was amazing as well. Eighty-five million dollars at the box office. Oh God! I don't want to hear it again. (laughs) And counting. But yeah, I mean, Miss, um, if. Other people have like demonic possessions or just regular yes. old possessions. Where can they like shout it out to us? Honestly, if you do, please let us know. And you can do that on our Instagram at creepy inquiries pod. You can send us an email at creepy inquiries pod at gmail.com. <laughs> if you are interested in our sources, go to our website at creepy inquiries And mm-hmm. then if you have a minute, if you're feeling generous, please head over to Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening and hit us, shoot us some um, a cute little rate and review. Five stars, or <laughs> I will disguise myself perfectly as you and ask David a third question. <gasps> no! Sabotage. Saboteur. And the you can avoid that listener by just providing us the five stars. Thank you. You don't even have to say anything if you don't want to. Just give us the stars. I mean, yeah. it would be cool. It's not a threat. It's a promise. Yeah. Yeah. We know where it's, you live. It's legal. It's safe. <laughs> anyway. Listener, thank you so much for joining us on episode 83, the Nancy Pelosi aged episode. Okay. And until next time. Good. Good.